0: Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Abbott.
1: And I am knocking on your door.
0: <laughs> it doesn't have to
1: be that way, Hammond.
0: <laughs> uh, and we're talking today about a musician instead of a band, but primarily part of a band for a very long period of time. He was with one band. However, you got his start in uh, another band that people are familiar with. I'm talking about Vince Clark. And Vince Clark uh, started out in Depeche Mode, moved to Yaz, but has spent the entire time since the early 80s with Erasure, or since the mid-80s.
1: There's a lot of tie-in
0: with our ABBA episode. A lot, yeah, especially since, you know, they did ABBA-esque, did an EP of ABBA covers, which I enjoyed greatly.
1: And that's your favorite favorite, uh, uh, word-ender, esque. Esque, I, I love esque. Yeah. yeah. Something's not exactly something. No, it's something esque.
0: <laughs> it's true. I'm not going to lie. Uh, all right, let's get to Vince Clark. He was born in 1960 in England. While he was in school, he studied violin and piano, but he was pulled in the direction of electric music, electronic music,
1: after hearing OMD. He also was influenced by Human League and Inspector Fad Gadget. <laughs> Fad Gadget, I think, is, we may be talking about
0: them. Oh, no, no, it's just the Gadgets. Um, when we talk about the, the later this season, we'll talk about the band and the Gadgets, but not Fad Gadget. I feel like you've really got to say that one carefully. Yes. His first band was formed in the late 70s with Andy Fletcher. It was called No Romance in China. And Andy ended up in Depeche Mode. That's why that name is, of course, Andy Fletcher. All right. Uh, In 1979, he moved to play guitar in The Plan with Robert Marlowe. And Marlowe went on to release a few solo albums. I have not heard that name. Hmm. In 1980, The Plan broke up. Clark and Fletcher joined with Martin Gore and Dave Gahan to form Depeche Mode. And their first release was 1981's Speak and Spell. This was the only album that Vince would appear on. It reached number 10 on the UK album charts. Uh, Singles on this album were Dreaming of Me, New Life, and uh, their biggest early hit, Just Can't Get Enough. most of the songs on this album and in tone, it definitely feels lighter than subsequent Depeche Mode albums.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny. Just Can't Get Enough feels like it's always confusing to me because it always feels like it should be a yes song.
0: Yeah, it it does. And, and um, when we were listening to this, Tina didn't recognize it as a Depeche Mode, even though she's heard it a million times, she's never really connected it with being a Depeche Mode song. I, was watching in 19, in the early eighties, uh, was watching, of course, MTV, but also a local music video program called Teletoons, And they would show, uh, just can't get enough and uh, new life. And then a song from the next album called, um, see you. And so my, I, you know, I absolutely remember happy Depeche Mode before they, uh, before <laughs> Dave Gahan looked at the keyboard and said, break off the major key. We're only going to use the minor one from now on. Yep, exactly.
1: And and I will say, though, that there's a 2006 uh, collector's edition of mm-hmm. this album, and it looks really, really awesome.
0: Oh, that's cool. Okay.
1: I bet it's got a lot of uh, additional stuff,
0: like a lot of extra tracks, things like yeah. that. Vince talked about not enjoying the public aspects of success. There were also rumors that he didn't always get along with the other members of the band. Alan Wilder replaced him and, well, we'll cover Depeche Mode some other time. Vince then started working with Alison Moyet to form Yazoo, or as we call it in the U.S., Yaz. And you mentioned uh, Just Can't Get Enough Sounding Like a Yaz Song. There are a couple songs in that album that easily, like Dreaming of Me could easily be a Yaz song. There's, There's a lot of dovetailing between... His work with Depeche Mode, his work with Yaz, and his work with Erasure, where it almost feels like there's a song or two on each of those beginning and ending albums that feels like it could have easily been on one of the other albums with the other band. I think it just goes to show his writery influence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely got a um, a style, and uh, uh, and his, the instrumentation is all his. Uh, Clark was familiar with Alison Moyes singing and had written Only You and was looking at her to sing it. The two of them had very different styles and outlooks on music, but it all combined and worked well. Vince had written Don't Go but thought it was too good to be the B-side of Only You, so they wrote Situation for the B-side. Only U was released and reached number two on the UK charts. And Don't Go, Don't Go was released a few months later and reached number three. And then Situation itself became a hit in US dance clubs. So I would like to hear Blue Man Group cover Don't Go. <laughs> oh, you can totally hear it with the uh, their PVC pipe thing. Yeah, totally could hear that. That's a great one. I'd like to hear Blue Man Group cover a lot of people. I yes. feel like they they need to release just I know they've had covers on all their well both of their albums. They have three albums out. Three albums? Yeah. The third um, one is one just live. No, nope, there's just, a third there's a third oh.
1: studio album. It's called 3. Uh oh. it's experimental sounding. It's got a couple of really okay. good songs on it, but mostly it's kind of experimental sounding. What I was going to say gotcha. based on that though is you know the opening song of the first Bill and Ted movie, the Can't Break Away? Oh, yes. Yes, I would love, Big Pig. Yes. I would love to hear them cover that song because you could do it almost all <laughs> percussive. Yeah. Oh, you totally could. And Big Pig was
0: known because they had something like four drummers in the band. Yeah. Something like that. Look for a Big Pig episode of Soundography, which will be nice and short because I think you only had one album. I thought they only had one song. No, they have a whole album because I remember my friend Scott really liked that that album, or that song. And so for his birthday, I bought him the album. It was the CD, the long box CD. I absolutely remember him getting me like, oh, cool. And we listened to it and said, well, it's got one good song on it. <laughs> uh, sorry if there's a big pig member that listens to uh, soundography. Uh, that first Yaz album or Yazoo album was 1982's Upstairs at Eric's. This one reached number two on the UK album charts. A non-album single was released in 1982 called The Other Side of Love. That one reached number 13 on the UK charts. As the two of them went back in the studio, there were tensions. Vince had always thought that Upstairs was a one-off, but he agreed to another album because he was worried how it would look for him to work out of two bands in two years. Moyer was only 21, and Vince had left her to do all the promotional work on her own. The two worked on the record for four months, rarely in the studio at the same time. And then they pre-released the single Nobody's Diary uh,
1: in November of 1982, And uh, within days of the single release, there was an announcement that they were breaking
0: up. And then following year, 1983, You and Me Both came out. It topped the charts in the UK and New Zealand. There were no other singles, and it didn't sell as well as Upstairs, upstairs at Eric's. It peaked at number 69 on the Billboard 200. Nice. In 1983, Vince started working with Eric Radcliffe. The goal was to collaborate with different artists to record a collection of singles under the name The Assembly. Never Never was a top five single they had with Virgil Sharkey of The Undertones. And over the next couple of years, they released The Face of Dorian Gray, I Just Want to Dance, Claudette, and Calling All Destroyers. The album The Peter Pan Effect was worked on, but it was shelved. It was later re-released, or released finally in 1999. In 1985, they worked with Paul Quinn and released the single One Day. Later that year, Vince placed an ad in Melody Maker Magazine for a singer, and this is how Vince met Andy Bell. Their first collaboration, 1986's Wonderland, As Erasure. When it was released, it was seen as a failure with only one single managing to crack
1: the US top 40. It's weird because Ola Moore was still being played on the radio and in clubs when I was in college in '88.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally was here too. That was such a huge, such a huge hit form. him. Uh, other singles were Who Needs Love Like That and Heavenly Action, along with the aforementioned Ola Moore. They followed that album up with 1987's The Circus. This would
1: be their breakout album. Sometimes did reach number two, and that's when they started gaining actual traction with people. This is when you started seeing this album on the shelves of Of everybody I
0: went to college with.
1: (laughs) Yes. We mentioned this earlier or a couple episodes ago about albums that felt like everyone owned. Yeah. The Circus was one of them. Yeah, it
0: totally was. It also had, so the uh, sometimes was the first single, then it doesn't have to be Victim of Love and the title track were the
1: other singles. success in the U.S. was still a little bit away, but it did break into the top 200, and clubs started, to, started playing it.
0: Yeah, which made a big difference for uh, like you said, the college circuit and, and AOR. In 1988, they released The Innocence. This was the album that made them superstars. It went double platinum. The singles were Ship of Fools,
1: Chains of Love, and A Little Respect. And the last two of those were huge major billboard hits.
0: Huge, yeah this this for me is the the album to get by Erasure. If you if you don't want to do a greatest hits album, The Innocence
1: for me is the one to get. And they came in concert when I was in college, and I saw that. I think it was at the Old Salt Palace, and they, uh, it was a yeah. fun show. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's cool. We, Tina and I, saw them after Wild on their Wild tour. And uh, they had the whole place done up with weird flowers and uh, um, like their stage looked like a a Dr. Seuss neon forest. Uh, In the 2000 re-release of the second disc of The Innocents, there's a cover of River Deep Mountain High. I think that was on on a bonus disc um, of the original release too because I absolutely had that on my version. In 1988, they released Crackers International. Uh, and as an EP, the single "Stop" was released and really did well on the charts. Also had a cover of "God Yet Reste, Ye Merry Gentleman."
1: One of my favorite songs they've ever done, Knocking on Your Door. Yes, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, those EPs were great. There was another one for the circus called uh, Three Rings Circus, and it was, um, I think, one or two new songs and then a bunch of remixes of Sometimes and uh, and Victim of Love, and it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, In 1989, they released Wild. This album uh, is held up as one of their best by fans. I agree. It contains the singles Drama, You Surround Me, Blue Savannah, and Star. was their second number one album and this led to their very first elaborate concert tour and as you said it was elaborate yes (laughs) totally was Uh, the Am I Right EP was released in between uh, Wild and the next album 1991's Chorus this was their third number one album it reached number 29 on the Billboard 200s the singles from this one were Chorus Love to Hate You Am I Right and Breath of Life Love to Hate You. Uh, I love how they borrow the instrumental track from uh, I Will Survive yeah. to use as the instrumental for that song. Like, note, note for note. I love it. Uh, it. Took me, like, hearing it the first... T- took me several listens to figure out why I, could, why I knew it so well, why I was able to sing along with it. In
1: 1992, they released the album ABBA-esque uh, EP. And once again, it proves that no matter who covers it... Abba is Abba. Now every
0: woman I see is a potential price. And I possess if it isn't nice. You could be saying the smoking was my only vice. But now it isn't true. Abba is Abba, for sure. It's not on. I mean obviously it wouldn't be on here, but there's the the Abba cover band called Bjorn Again. Mm-hmm. I uh, should have mentioned these guys when we did the ABBA show last time, but uh, and they do an album called Erasure-esque, where they do what it would sound like if ABBA were to cover Erasure. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's great. It's really, really good. It's like that Metallica, where they have the Beatle-Metallica right. mashup. Yes, what it would sound like if Metallica covered the Beatles. I love that kind of stuff, yeah. the the like style covers. In 1993, Vince released a solo album called Lucky Bastard. In 1994, they released
1: I Say, I Say, I Say. Which they're really leaning into their ABBA influences there.
0: (laughs) It totally totally sounds like an ABBA title. (laughs) Uh, This one also reached number one, making it their fourth album in a row to do so. It peaked at number 18 on the Billboard 200. And in Germany, it reached number six, which is far better than nine. Uh, Although they were still popular in the clubs, radio had shifted away from this style of music. And
1: like I keep saying, freaking grunge killed all the fun totally did. Uh, Always was a surprise hit. This one reached the top
0: 20.
1: This was the last album of theirs that I bought, like, went out and actively pursued. And yeah. I knew they, I know they had kept working. I knew they'd been continuing to churn out music. I just had kind of fallen off the erasure bus at that point.
0: Yeah. I, I fell off a couple albums later, but um, I'll mention it when we get there. Uh, the other singles were run to the sea and I love Saturday. The, I love Saturday EP followed this album and that was followed in 1995 by erasure. This was a very experimental album. The 11 tracks are mid tempo, longer, more thoughtful songs. This was the start of their slide out of popularity. And this album failed to hit the top 10. The singles Stay With Me, Fingers and Thumbs, Rock Me Gently all failed to break into the UK top 10.
1: Says something because they'd been darlings of the UK charts for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and the
0: there really was because this album was so experimental. I mean the um, the hits on I say I say I say were good. They weren't as good as, as the ones on Chorus, and there was nothing on on the self titled album that um, that I thought was memorable. Following album was Cowboy in 1997. This was a return to Erasure's regular song format. This one did reach the UK top 10 and it also sold well in the United States. The singles were In My Arms, Don't Say Your Love Is Killing Me and Rain. There was a bonus track on the US release, a cover of Blondie's Rapture. magic moments as well. Rain was released on an EP with a remix of it and two other songs, In My Arms and First Contact. And it's useless to
1: resist us. No, wrong one. <laughs> uh, it's a, the joke didn't work. because you will be assimilated. Yeah, that, that's what you should have said. Yes. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I blew the joke. Uh, you know what? It's funny. It's funnier because of that. <laughs> uh, the, album, the self-titled album was the last one I bought with the exception of the cover album we're going to get to. 2000's Love Boat, this has proven to be their least successful album. It's panned by fans. It failed to reach the UK top 40. Freedom and Moon and Sky were released as singles. Alien was going to be released as a single, but was never uh, never issued as one. In 2001, they followed up with Moon and the Sky EP. This was a collection of remixes and acoustic versions of other songs. This wasn't bad. Um, there were a couple uh, acoustic versions. I was surprised by the choices they made on the acoustic yeah. uh, versions, because I would have thought, oh, an acoustic version of Little Respect or, um, or Hideaway or something like that would have mm-hmm. been great, but they they went really deep 2003 they released other people's songs yay a cover album uh this was this was the last of their albums that i bought the singles were salisbury hill and make me smile Covered Peter Gabriel, Buddy Holly, The Righteous Brothers, Elvis, The Buggles, and
1: more. Yep, and Sorry, The Wiggles.
0: And the, and the Wiggles? Yep. Is there a Wiggles cover on there that I didn't notice?
1: Yeah, uh, what was it? uh Mashed Potato? Is that what it was oh, called? Oh, no, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> the Buggles and The Wiggles. Yep. Nightbird
0: was the album after that, 2005. This was a moderate success and got mixed reviews. If
1: you're counting at home, this is album number 11 of Erasures. Yeah, we were we were counting. <laughs> uh, it was during this
0: time period that Andy Bell revealed that he had uh, that he was HIV positive. This shed new meaning to um, a lot of their songs. "Breathe," "Don't Say You Love Me," and "Here I Go Impossible Again." All this time, still falling out of love, were the singles released from this album. was released in 2006. This was just a four-track EP. And then back over to 2006's Union Street, back to full album length. This was an interesting album. So this was also another acoustic versions of older songs. Again, some weird, weird choices. Not just acoustic. Acoustic
1: country versions. That's of true. Stuff. Acoustic
0: country. Yeah,
1: right. I do think they should have picked more popular songs because there's not one song on there that, like, rings any bells to me. Oh, really? Yeah. There were a couple, but they were like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a Torch song that was kind of, you know. Once again, stop. Didn't need to be redone. Uh, yeah. Ola Moore. Oh, yeah. All those songs. Breaking right. right the Chains. All those songs could throw, throw instead of, you know, uh, make them about a trailer or a, a, a horse, <laughs> and you're all good. <laughs> So you
0: saying actually even changed this? The, no, I'm uh,
1: kidding. It
0: would be great change the lyrics to yep. be more country. <laughs> Love it. In 2007, they released "Night." Uh, I'm sorry, "Light at the End of the World." Uh, this one reached the UK top 30 when it was released. "I Could Fall in Love with You," "Sunday Girl," and "Storm in a Teacup." There was a remix compilation for fans to download parts of the song and make their own remix, and then they would put the best
1: one on an upcoming single. Yeah, the competition was won by Oscar Sal- Salguero. And his remix appeared on the Storm Chaser EP. Cool. That was
0: released in 2007. It contained uh, remixes as well and a collaboration with Cyndi Lauper on Early Bird. That's a good collaboration.
1: That that is good. I I think that maybe they could have done more with her. Yep, for
0: sure. Pop Remixed was an 11-track EP that
1: was released as a companion to Total
0: Pop, the first 40-hits compilation, so there's their greatest hits. In 2009, the Erasure Club EP was released. And in October 2009, the Phantom Bride EP was released. It featured new mixes, remixes of tracks from The Innocents. In 2010, Andy released a solo album called Nonstop. He certainly was. In 2011, they released Tomorrow's World. Uh, this one reached 29 on the UK charts. When I started to break it all down, Be With You, A Whole Lot of Love, Run Hot, and Fill Us With Fire were all released as singles and did see some chart, radio, and club success. Anytime, just call me. In 2011, Vince worked with Martin Gore, way back from Depeche Mode, if you remember, as a techno duo called VCMG, those are their initials, on an instrumental minimalist electronic dance album called tss. It was released in 2012.
1: It, and by, by for people to understand, it literally is a whole just a bunch of S's. So it's just there's not S's, a flub. Yeah. It's it's. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like We didn't redact the name of, yeah, the, of the album. And there's not an internet blip or something there. It's called tss. Right <laughs> And it should be sub- subtitled uh, Sprung Leak Right, yeah or A snake, yeah.
0: run away uh, During this time They released a few other EPs Spock, Single Blip, and Aftermaths In 2013 They released a Christmas album uh, Called Snow Globe This was a collection of classic Christmas carols And original tracks Then one with a lean, stripped down sound Which led to an eerie feel to most of the songs Soon it will be Christmas Day. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style, in the air Godette and Make It Wonderful, two originals were released as singles. In 2014, they released The Violet Flame, Elevation was released ahead of the album with Reason and Sacred being released later. This, this for me felt like a return back to what made Erasure unique. It still doesn't have a whole lot of re listenability, but, uh, but it's better than I think the albums before.
1: Yes, it might not have any re listenability, but it wasn't hard to get through. Right, exactly. Die For
0: Love was a B-side release on The Reason single, and this was their first UK Top 20 since Other People's Songs. In 2017, World Be Gone was released. This hit number six when it was released and fell out of the charts the next week. This was launched on Pledge Music. Ah, Pledge they Music. Also, they also released a, from Moscow to Mars, big box set and on Pledge Music. And I bought that. I have that big box set.
1: I'm glad you got your stuff from Pledge Music before it went down.
0: I still had an album that was
1: outstanding when that thing went down.
0: Oh, I hate that. Yeah. The, the, the road to
1: crowdfunding is littered with the corpses of failed and missing projects, in, in, so including the Dr. Demento documentary. I'm still irritated about that.
0: Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, I'm irritated by that too. Now that you mention it. Dang it. In 2020, they released neon. This debuted at number four on the UK charts. There was a companion remix album released alongside with it. Hey, now nerves of steel and fallen angel were singles. The album didn't break the billboard 200 and Andy's voice doesn't sound as, as crisp and clear in this one. I don't know if it's bad mixing or if it's just, you know, he's starting to get older.
1: It his could voice be a combination changing. of things. I mean, he is yeah. older. Uh, yeah. it, he could have been, it could have been recording or I think it could be any number of things, but I, I mean, as you age, your voice does change. Uh, yeah. I actually just listened to, uh, a vocal coach, you know, those vocal coaches react videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were listening to Yes. And the lead singer of Yes was 72, 73 years old during the recording in 2016. Oh, wow. And his voice was still crisp and clear. And the woman kept going on and on and on about how, I don't know how he keeps his voice in shape and how he's able to do this because he's singing Hi For Me. And yet he still sounds amazing. How, what the hell is he doing to keep his voice in shape? So I think it's just, it's just something that happens. It is.
0: Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, Andy Bill still has an amazing voice and he's got one of those unique voices. That's, that's not masculine. It's not feminine. It just is its
1: own unique style, its own unique range. And I would say too, that erasure would not be erasure without his voice. There, I right. don't think anybody else could have stepped into the, the, the role of lead and been no. able to do vocally what he did to make them successful. For sure. This album,
0: Tina and I enjoyed as well. Like when it first came out, we, we streamed it on a, uh, a trip up to Estes Park. Streamed it on the way up and on the way back. So listen through it twice because we enjoyed it. In 2022, they released Day Glow. Based on a true story, this album was constructed by taking tracks from Neon and rebuilding them. Needless to say, this is an experimental album. Very much so. This was recorded during the pandemic. It reached number four on the UK charts, and it was their highest placement since 1994. They recorded it by having Vince rearrange uh, sessions from Neon and then send tracks
1: to Andy to record over. This was seen as a creative curveball from them. Uh, They... This was a weird pr- working process for them.
0: They're never afraid to experiment and I think that's what makes makes them great. Yeah. I think uh, you know, they, they've had a couple albums that didn't do as well that, that we didn't enjoy as much, but uh, but I love the fact that they try these things because well I also
1: I will, also, I will well. also say too that they've been really good at progressing with technology, but holding on to their their bass sound and what they are. But continuing yeah. to evolve within the the walls that they've established, so every album feels like an evolution, but it also feels new. And they've yeah. used technology to continue to do that. When a lot of people could just sat back with their with their DX sevens and uh, stayed exactly doing the same thing. Yeah, totally.
0: So there you go, Vince Clark, and and no sign of them stopping. You know, they could easily have another album out in a couple in a year or two the, yeah. at the rate that they've been going. Uh, I could
1: easily do that. Uh, Hammond, tell me about some statistics and general notes. All right. So upstairs at Eric's went on to sell 300,000 copies, reaching platinum status by 1989. It had sold over a million copies. Uh, Yaz's legacy is pretty strong. Their songs have appeared in Napoleon Dynamite, The Office, Can't Hardly Wait, and so many other TV shows and movies. Uh, It's weird that an album, uh, a group that basically has one solid album, and then one other album has the impression on pop culture that that Upstairs at Eric's does. Really does, yeah. In 2008, there was a box set called In Your Room that was released, and it featured remixed and remastered versions of both albums and in a 5.1 mix. And I, oh, wow. f- I flirt with the idea of getting this because I love me a 5.1 mix. I love Upstairs yeah. at Eric's, but because of space and how I've kind of in agreement with myself that if I'm not a huge gigantic fan, I'm not gonna yeah. buy, the, the, uh, buy the physical the uh the physical deluxe anymore. box set. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I need to save that box set money for like the the next remastered deluxe Metallica box that comes out. <laughs> or Mushroom Head box set yeah, or something. That. <laughs> they haven't even released the Greatest Hits album. They're not releasing a greatest hits. Oh wow. they're, they're wow. not they haven't released the greatest hits. There's no way they're gonna release a box set. Oh I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Erasure, Vince has released 19 albums and had tons and tons of hits and hit singles. Uh, the Innocence has sold over 600,000 copies and had was on heavy, heavy MTV rotation when it was released. Uh, yeah. if it, they weren't playing Motley Crue, they were playing Erasure. I mean, it was, it was, it, <laughs> and then every now it's and then you hear young MC thrown in with, uh, you know, uh, bust a move, but. Yeah. MTV was littered with erasure back in the day. They really were. Yeah. 23 years after the initial release, the innocents have sold, had sold over 5 million copies worldwide, which makes me realize that our conversation about everyone owning one that we knew is true.
0: It's true. Yeah. I mean, you, you you know, one of these 5 million people. Yeah. (laughs) Look to your left, look to your right. One of them owned the innocents. Right. Exactly. Uh, very cool Well you and I both uh, Saw them in concert And uh, so we have some Experience with this But uh, what would we say Is their Stairway to Heaven song What Ugh. song Are you not leaving The uh, the Erasure concert Without hearing
1: So I, This was hard Because they have So yeah. many songs One that I want to hear But two that I think They would want to play Like the crowd Would want to hear Yeah So sure. sometimes Chains of Love Stop A little respect But I really think The answer is A little more uh You're close, and you did list number one. Number one is sometimes. It's
0: not the way you throw your clothes upon the bedroom floor. Been thinking about you. I just
1: couldn't wait to see. Bring my arms around you. Sweet
0: uh With 588 live performances. Ola Moore, uh, number two. A Little Respect, Chains of Love, Blue Savannah, Stop, Ship of
1: Fools, Victim of Love, Love to Hate You, and Drama as the Top Ten. Well, that just that just makes it easier. That way I can put Ola Moore in the show without having to worry about doubling up at that point of oh, the show. There you. there you go. Cool. Their most played
0: concert, or I'm sorry, yeah, most played cover in concert. Do you want to guess? Uh, take a chance on me. That's exactly right. Well done really. Blind yeah. guess. Absolutely blind very, guess. It was a very good guess. Uh, yeah, a lot of Abbott covers as well as the the the, the Atomic Blondie cover that you mentioned earlier, uh, Over the Rainbow by Harold Arlen, uh,
1: you know, Judy Garland. Um, you call yeah. her Harold? <laughs> Judy Garland? Yes, you said by Harold and then you said Judy Harold, Garland. Harold Arlen is oh, the, uh, I thought you like, the composer. I thought you had some weird name he called Judy. I'm like <laughs>
0: Well, she was born Harold Alden and uh, <laughs> she changed her name for, yeah for uh, uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's get to our covers speaking of covers. What song would we like to hear Erasure cover? I want them I wouldn't mind them doing another another other people's songs. Uh, volume 2 album, I think it would be great. Leading off Uh, with Alan
1: Parsons' project, Eye in the Sky.
0: Yeah, right. Yes. They they could do it. Anybody (laughs) could do it. Uh, My pick is uh, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. And the more I thought about this song coming from them and with Andy Bell's voice, they could easily do an entire ABBA-esque-esque Taylor Swift album. So have it Taylor-esque. Oh, (laughs) Taylor-esque
1: is better than Swift-esque.
0: Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, there's a lot of overlap in the writing styles and the arrangements between the two. And I think an all erasure, all Taylor Swift cover album would be great. Didn't she? What was that song she
1: did? 89? Is that what she did? She did a whole album called 89. Yeah, okay. So it would be interesting to hear them cover that because that was when they were at their peak. Oh. So it really would be the snake eating itself. No kidding. And then Taylor could cover... The
0: Innocence, and, uh, and then uh, our heads will just explode. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, she needs to record Ola, Ola Moore or Chains yeah, of Love, and exactly. uh, the world will come to a, a crashing stop with the explosion. halt. Exactly. Hammond, what's your pick? Mine's odd, and I, I thought about this for a really long time. So I, I thought about the 80s, and I thought about kind of glamorous 80s, and... Yep thought about legendary singers and songwriters and songs that are good. And I can't do Alan Parsons anymore because of a, <laughs> a an unwritten ban on a contractual yeah, a contract agreement, agreement yes. from last season. Uh, yep. So I picked shot in the dark by Ozzy Osbourne. Now this is a pop song. I don't care how you yeah. slice it. This is just a yeah. pop song. And I think with the undertones of the undertone themes of the song and the way it's structured in the solid beat in the, the the way it's presented there's a mystery to it and I think they could lean into that and actually do a really really good arrangement and cover of it
0: yeah actually that would be great
1: I mean it is it is Ozzy at his most glamorous he is wearing it like is. a white sequined night jacket yeah. in that video it's almost LeMay yes. <laughs> yeah he, he he looks like my my aunt <laughs>
0: Well, let's get to our playlist. This is where we pick five or six songs that we would add to a greatest hits album. I didn't realize one of these was considered a single, but we'll talk about that uh, and uh, and give you kind of a deeper, uh, deeper level of appreciation of the band. First one for me is "Sono Luminous." Time again. For the love. This is from their self-titled album. Remember the one that I said that uh, that kind of was the falling-off point for me. Um, this resonated so much more with me now than it did when I first heard the album. Um, maybe it was just in context of everything else, and I had been anticipating another another I say I say I say or wild or the innocence or something like that and I was just disappointed but hearing it this time and doing knowing what I was getting into uh, I really enjoyed sono luminous a lot more this time next one comes to us from Depeche mode from the speak and spell album it is no disco
1: Which, Which was, uh, Brandon Urie should cover. That way it could be panic at the disco or panic at the disco, no disco. Right. Because another
0: exclamation point yeah. and another word disco. Uh, panic at the no disco. Anyway, this, this, was, this is one you can tell is Vince Clark all the way through. This, this easily dovetails into the Yaz stuff and uh, feels like if he wouldn't have released this with Depeche Mode, it would have been released with Yaz, released by Yaz. Uh third one is piano song, but not the original version, the acoustic Union Street version. Though I go crazy at the dullness of my life. Sitting a stare into a dusty window. An empty face stares back at me and cry. Uh this was one of the ones that obviously I recognized well from the original but really liked the direction it goes into Uh, it really showcases Andy's amazing range without uh, being distracted by the instrumentation that surrounds it Uh, next one comes from that Innocence album it's Imagination this is one that I was always surprised wasn't a single because it feels like it's everything erasure wrapped into one song Jangly beat, it jumps back and forth between major and minor key in the verses and the chorus, and it easily makes you want to sing along. So I don't know why "Imagination" wasn't a single, but but I love it and and feel like it needs to be appreciated. And then the last one, because I had to pick something from the Other People's Songs album, uh, "Make Me Smile, Come Up and See Me." This is a cover of uh, Steve Harvey and Michael Rebel. Oh, oh, oh. trying to decide which one I wanted to pick from that album, but I went with this one because uh, in the States, no one's ever heard of Steve Harvey and Cockney Rebel. And the only other cover I can think of is the Duran Duran cover of Come Up and See Me Make Me Smile. And we've also talked about Duran Duran, but Erasure does it so much better. And I really love that song.
1: Wow. Shots fired. Well, oh,
0: sorry Duran Duran but I also was surprised looking through this list that I didn't pick anything from from Yez, and I would have picked uh, two pieces because I really like that it's the second song from upstairs at Eric's it's a great follow-up uh, after don't go right the fall. Uh, the lyrics stop. It's a three minute, three minute song, but the lyrics stop about a minute and a half into it, and the whole last minute and a half is instrumental. So, an unofficial, or now it's an official, uh, <laughs> sixth is uh, two pieces by Yaz, which I always thought was funny because that means because that means their first two songs on an album were "Don't Go" two
1: pieces. Oh, yes,
0: very good. I wonder if that was intentional.
1: Uh, knowing them, yes yeah Probably. All right, sorry, I've been battling a cough so this will be rough. Yeah you've been you've been handling it very well. <clears throat> All right, so here we go. Uh, my first one is Hall of the Mountain King from Circus. Second time I picked Hall of the Mountain King this season. The last one was with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Sabotage uh, with that video, Brian watched. I think we need to incorporate that into a regular thing we for do. the patrons is having a watch along with videos. I think so. I like that idea. Because yeah. uh, yeah. that, that hear, hearing you react to that first time was amazing. <laughs> so anyway, Hall Thanks. of the Mountain King from Circus. I love this piece of music and I really dig this version because it's different because it's different from other versions that I've heard. Uh I mean it's still Greek, but yeah. it's it's electronic Greek and super synthy <laughs> Greek and it wasn't something I was expecting from kind of a dance heavy album. Yeah. My next one is Knocking on Your Door, which is probably my favorite song they've done.
0: On
1: this song has been in rotation since it came out from mixtapes to mini discs to burn CDs, uh, to my phone, all the way through. This has been with me and around me since it first came out. I got the little three inch disc that it came on, you know, the little token, <laughs> yeah. I get I, the whole bit I was way into this song uh, cool. stop is good too, but it's a hit but this song I feel like I've always wanted someone like Metallica to cover this because it's oh, got such a strong good. beat and such a great rhythm that shifting that over into kind of chuggy guitars would be super awesome yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. my next one is in my room from Yaz uh, upstairs at Eric's me. I this is a great song because it, it doesn't follow typical song structure. There's some weird stuff going on in there and the light bulb breaking and all that stuff. It's just so odd and yes. I love it. It is wild. Yeah. The sound of the light bulb smashing. Yeah. Yeah. Then promises from the violet flame. Not the violent flame, but the violet flame. <laughs> uh, I don't because I don't see I don't see erasure as violent. No, I don't either. But,
0: but uh, for whatever reason, I had the Violent Femmes. Oh, okay.
1: Mic. So from the Promises from the Violet Flame, uh, the Sonics on this one are, are really awesome. And listening to this with headphones on gives you a new appreciation of what they're doing in the mix because you pick up all these subtleties that I hadn't picked up on at first until I went back and listened. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is cool. All right, and my next one, my last one is home from course
0: I never go in home cuz i'm having a good time i never go in home
1: cuz my time is come and i love this because finding a, a song a good song to end an album is sometimes yeah. a real struggle And this one is, hang on, I'm going to cough some more. (laughs) Ooh, that one didn't sound good. No, sorry. Mm. (laughs) I'm glad we're almost done. (laughs) Yeah, I know. uh, Home, uh, it's such a great way to end an album. They they focus on the voices. They leave you with this feeling of hope. They do all the things that make you want to either re-listen or wait expectantly for the next one. It's such a great way to wrap up an album. Yeah, a lot of bands you find do like they put
0: just kind of a throwaway track on the end of their their uh, album, and uh, I'm glad they didn't for that one because that that is that's a great album. You know what? It's solid through and through.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, I think those course, first those first couple. I think the first jazz the album first five, and the first six. first. Oh yeah, I was gonna say the first first jazz album and the first two or three Erasure albums. Yeah, I don't think you could go wrong with any of those from no, front right? to back. Agreed.
0: Yeah. They're all really, really strong. I mean, I'd go all the way to uh, to Wild or, or even, like you said, even Chorus uh, for this. Uh, excellent. Well, that, uh, boy, now you know the entire life and times of uh, Vince Clark. With an E. And, with an E, Vince Clarky. And that's uh, uh, some an inside baseball because Hammond wrote the notes for this thing. And every time Clark was mentioned, he spelled it without the E and I just had to give him a, a little jab at the beginning, pre-show about that. As you do, as I do, I do it. For, I do it out of love, Hammond. Uh, hey, tell me who we're listening to next. Uh,
1: Miss Shania Twain,
0: Mark, oh. Mark Twain's
1: daughter, illegitimate love child. Okay, and I will. Uh, I will say right now, she has not released that many albums, and she's releasing like more than half of the album as singles. So yeah. the no hits on our playlist. Go ahead and wipe that off the table because there is no way that we could do a playlist without having. I mean, let's not, yeah. of course, swing for the man. fence with the big ones. But she's released like five man, albums. I feel
0: like putting, man, I feel like putting one of those tracks in my playlist.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, it's true though. I mean, she, she released like yeah. five albums, and off and of the five, she's releasing seven, six, seven tracks from each album as singles. Wow, wow. Oh, and this is the kind of country that.
0: I have a rough time with, which is, you know, the new modern country. But she's but, so um,
1: poppy. This is, this is the prototype. This is yeah. proto Taylor Swift. It really is. Country yeah. into pop. And Taylor Swift went country into pop. This is proto Taylor Swift. Yeah. I'm
0: aside from Dolly Parton, like one, Shania is one of the big examples of, of pop crossover, country pop crossover. Faith Hill around the same time was doing it too. So yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Looking forward to, uh, To just five albums of Shania, (laughs) after after twenty two albums of Erasure, Depeche Mode, and uh, yes, but man, those were good twenty two
1: albums. There there were a lot of really good ones. I mean, it wasn't you you didn't it didn't work your way into your soul the way Abba did, but Erasure's close with the with the the hook that lives in your brain for six to twelve hours afterwards. I still listen to that. That damn ABBA, Two for the Price of One song. That thing is just so weird and catchy, and I'm addicted to it. Uh, Make it your ringtone for when uh, Uncle George calls. (laughs) There we go. Two for the price of
0: one. I to live rent-free in my head forever. Hey, uh, we want you to live uh, rent-free in our inbox forever. Contact us by emailing us at soundographypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the soundography soundography.com is our website. Visit us there where we've got all of other previous episodes. So if you've missed an episode, that's where you can go to find it for each episode. We always give you the playlist if we can in Spotify as well as a link to buy an album on Amazon. I'm going to still probably link to uh, the innocence because I think that's such a solid album. Uh, and of course, if you like what you hear, uh, support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash soundography. A buck or two a month is, is is great for us and we give you a lot of extra content and bonus goodies and stuff like that. So visit And you get things early. Patreon.
1: Like as soon as I finish editing the show, I just throw it up there. You get it right away. Yeah. You don't have to wait for uh, the, the three or four week lag that we have. Yeah, with, hot uh, off the presses.
0: That's right. It's still still warm inside. Uh, also, if you love the show, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It's a great way for people to discover the show and hear what you have to say. And if you don't like our show, well, uh, just send us an email and we'll read it. We'll we'll be sad to lose you as a listener. Wow. <laughs> Hammond, anything uh,
1: to close this out? Uh, thanks for punching my ticket on the Guilt Trip Express. <laughs> No, I mean, we're like, I, I mean that is like you know we take any and all feedback. We yes, love to get your emails. We, we and, do, and yeah. and sometimes the feedback is critical or corrective, and that's fine. I don't that's know fine. if it's sad.
0: No, no, I, I, I feel I feel like, like, up
1: to it. I mean, the only yeah, I mean, the only time that I've actually felt strange is like I mean, season one, I made a rush comment and still haven't lived that down. Rush guy still emails me. <laughs> rush guy.
0: Oh, funny. All right, well, on behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brian Evitz saying that's going to do it. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography.